Hi, I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts. And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You might notice there are no bird chirps because today we actually are at our school space. Uh, We were just filming videos and for the online program and uh, then we sat down and we're recording. Here we are. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. Um, Oh, wait, before we get started, we have to do the thing. Here goes the thing. We are not doctors. We are herbalists and holistic health educators. The ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the United States, so these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everyone's body is different, so the things we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but they will give you some information to think about and research more. We wish to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is in fact always yours. Yay. Yay. Hey, you know what? uh, We'd like to talk to you on our podcast, (laughs) and we really like to see you when you sign up for one of our online courses and join us for our weekly Q&A sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really like to interact with you in lots of ways, but the way that both of us got started with herbalism was actually as clinicians or as consulting herbalists. Yeah. And guess what? We still do that. We still do it. We do it a lot. <laughs> and we'd like to do that with you. So you can book a consultation with us. And now, thanks to the power of the internet, even, <laughs> <laughs> even if you're far away, we can still do a consultation with you. So you can find out more information about that on our website at commonwealthherbs.com slash clinic. And um, basically what happens is that we sit down and we talk for, for a while. We leave about two hours. Not everybody wants to sit and talk for two hours about their health, but we want to make sure that there's plenty of time for questions. So we sit and talk for a good long while about what's going on for you and how we can make it all better. We come up with a plan together, and then we just try it. So right now, I am currently working with children and with adults who identify as female. And Rin is taking all kinds of clients. And I'd also just like to say, he's pretty great. And (laughs) I might be biased because he's my husband. But he takes care of me when I'm sick, and I know that he can take care of you too. So get yourself all spiffed up for the whole back-to-school frenzy or uh, if not spiffed up, then uh, what I, th- I think what I really mean is like girded up, mm. like uh, make yourself stress resilient for the, the frenzy that fall is. There we go. And um, book yourself a consultation today. Yeah, we would love to talk to you. We really would. Yeah. So what else is going on lately? I am so excited. Um, this week, an incarcerated person wrote to us, wrote a letter just completely out of the blue, um, saying that he wanted to take our online program and was there any way that we could that we could work within the prison rules to do that. And we're so excited that we can't even see straight. We're really excited to make this available to him. The internet isn't available to him, but we're working out a system with the warden there of how we can get the videos and the materials to him. And I'm so excited that the administrators are willing to help us work this out for him also. 
So, of course, I have dreams of, oh, maybe someday they can even have their own herb garden. But for now, I'm just so excited to be supporting this man who wants to learn about plants and he wants to learn about getting healthy and taking care of his family and his community. And I think that's amazing. When anybody wants to learn about plants, I'm just thrilled because really that's how we're going to save the world, mm. basically. Um, so uh, I, I, I kind of, I really hope this is just the beginning. Yeah, and I mean, this is, of course, something else that we're, we're interested in just as people who'd like to see a better world. Uh, there's huge issues around injustice uh, for people who have been incarcerated. Um, lots of issues t to do there with race and with mass incarceration policies and things like that um, that are really, really big, enormous problems that are going to take work on a lot of different fronts to resolve. Um, so, yeah, we feel excited that we can uh, play even a small role in yeah. some of those some of those changes or some improvement in the lives of these people. You know, even when you come out of incarceration, it's really hard to get a job. Mm -hmm. And he was very upfront that he wants this to be a profession for him and he wants to be able to use this to support himself when he gets out. And I'm, I'm so excited to help make that possible because if you have the skills to be self-employed, then you don't have to go through all that problem with people don't want to hire you or, or whatever. So I just, there's just so many wonderful things about this. Yeah. So, uh, if you happen to know any people who are in this kind of a situation who would like to study herbs, then um, let us know, let them know, and we'll see if we can get something going. Yeah, yeah. It would be so great if this became like an entire big program and, um, you know, prisons and plants, and it would, it would be great. It would be great. All right. Uh, so, some other things that have been going on for us lately. We got a question. Uh, from one of our listeners. <laughs> Eileen, hello. Thanks for sending us a question. Hi. Um, so she had just made up a batch of valerian tincture and sent us an email. And she said, in the spirit of learning and in taking advantage of fresh summer herbs, I have plans to make a few tinctures this week. And I was wondering, what are your favorite five tinctures to make and have on hand? That would, of course, actually be 10, because I know you both don't always love or need the same plants, but you said you welcome questions, and so there you go. And we do welcome questions. We're so excited that you wrote one. Um, <laughs> so normally this would be impossible to keep at five. This is a hard question. It's a hard yeah. question. We spent most of the day thinking about it. We, uh, we like to play the Herbs on a Desert Island game. Um, I think that's, like, one of the favorite herbalist games. Like, if you were, like, stranded on a desert island, what, how, what X number of herbs would mm -hmm. you... And usually people try to say, like, which nine herbs would you take with you? And I can, like, never get it down to lower than 13. Um, yeah. And I have a little asterisk there in my notes because there's a... There's a thing I want to come back to on that thought, but I'm going to do it at the end, I think. Um, so stay tuned. You have to listen to the whole, the whole episode. <laughs> anyway, I much prefer tea to tincture. So I was thinking, you know, I might actually be able to keep it to five. For tinctures. For tinctures. Yeah, yeah. If it was just straight up herbs in any form, 
I don't think I could do it, but... So this, this is plants that you enjoy taking in tincture, mm-hmm. and you find make a big difference for you. And that, that I want to keep on hand. All right. Okay, ready? So what have you got? I've got, I've got ghost pipe, tulsi, calamus, ginger chamomile, which is not cheating. That's... <clears throat> it's one tincture. Is it indeed? It is. Ah, yes. <laughs> and lobelia. And uh, do you want to share yours before I talk about mine, or should we? Yeah, yeah. My list was going to be Solomon's Seal, Catnip, Yarrow, and Sage. <laughs> Together? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kava and Cayenne. So hmm. the first thing to say about this is that um, when we wrote them both down, Rin sort of looked at them and, and obser- made an observation Oh, uh, yes, I can tell you about it. <laughs> I'm awake. I'm here, yeah. Uh, it was that both of us included an herb for helping us calm down, uh, and those are different for each of us. Both of us included a high-powered herb, uh, your lobelia and my cayenne. Both of us included an herb that um, one of the ways we work with is as uh, an herb that skirts along the interface between the physical and the emotional. Um, so I'm thinking there of the ghost pipe and the Solomon seal. Mm-hmm. We both chose gut herbs. You've got calamus. I've got the catnip. And both of us also put a uh, put-your-head-in-the-right-place herb. Uh, You've got the tulsi there. I have the yarrow and sage for that purpose. So there's lots of different ways to read these lists. We'll we'll talk now about, you know, what are the amazing things about each of these plants. But I just found it intriguing that those were the priorities for us. Yeah. Um, You know, there's different ways that we could... We could um, outline the game here. It could be like, what herbs would be most important for survival in a post-disaster situation? And I'd, <laughs> I'd probably choose a few different plants in that case. You know, like a good strong antimicrobial would make its way into my list at some point. Uh, I could make it work with what I've got, but, you know. Anyway, this seems to be a kind of like, survive, get through the day, keep your head up, keep your heart moving forward, and... Uh, watch out because sometimes your guts start to hurt (laughs) so i think that reflects our reality (laughs) yeah for me also it it reflects um these are plants that i that i take as tinctures i really um i really focus on tea like the vast majority of my herbal intake is tea um but there are some herbs that i only ever take as tincture and then there are some herbs that I primarily take as tincture Hmm. so the ghost pipe to start it all off here that is one that I only ever take as tincture ghost pipe is um, a plant that is at risk um, and really I think seriously at risk it is a plant that you cannot cultivate I I don't even know of any way to encourage it to happen other than having the right habitat and leaving it alone but it requires forested land. Um, although, remember that one day we were walking to the school and um, we were passing that. There that was some growing out of, a, out of a pile of mulch. Yes. Under a tree. That was the weirdest thing, right in the middle of the city. That was very I couldn't strange. even believe it. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. Um, but that's super uncommon. Yeah. Um, I don't know of any way to to cultivate it there probably is someone who does but um that person has very special 
um, green fun, green thumb foo, and I am. Not It'd be a white thumb with ghost pipe. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Ghost pipe doesn't have any chlorophyll. Um, it lives as like a symbiote on the neural network of the forests, or in other words, the root systems of the mycelium, the mycelium, the root system of the mushrooms, and the root systems of the trees, and. That's a big part of the reason why it's so at risk because those those root systems are so easily damaged and the more that we encroach on our forested lands, the more that um, the more risk that there is to this plant. Yeah. However, um, this is a low dose plant. I really only ever take three drops. And so maybe every two or three years we will harvest really not more than 10 stems. And some people say you need the roots. You do not need the roots. You can use the above ground parts, absolutely. And they grow in little clumps. And so we'll just take like one out of a clump and then we'll go to another clump and take one. And and you really only need like five or 10 of them in one of those tiny little jam jars. And then... um, and then vodka, and you have to put the vodka in right away. You cannot let, like, you have to take the vodka hiking with you. Um, or, like, take the jar already filled with vodka. Because they have to go in immediately fresh. They turn black very, very quickly. And so they do have to get right in that tincture fresh. And, um, uh, but we really, we only take, like, five or ten only once every two or three years, and that's enough to support us and our entire practice, all of our students and all of our clients. Um, and you just you just don't need very much. So uh, if you are if you are in a place where you have rarely seen ghost pipe, I mean, you would not harvest any at all unless it's having a really strong year and you you see a clump every few yards and there's just really a lot of it. If it's been a drought year, just don't make any. But um, but another way that you can work with ghost pipe is as a flower essence, and that also is very effective. And you don't have to kill any plant matter to to do that. You can just sort of prop up the bowl um, underneath the flower because the flower tips downward, and so you can kind of like l- make the bowl tall enough that the flower just s- sits into into the water without. Um, without being damaged at all. Mm. But we do make it in tincture. And ghost pipe is a plant that is uh, has traditional use for amputation, for pain management after amputation. Uh, and I like to think of that as like a situation that can't be changed. It's not okay, but it can't be changed. And it's not going to serve you to continue feeling that pain and continue having that nervous response so instead, your nervous system needs to learn to come to terms with what has happened. And um, I think that there are other situations like that. And one of them where we've seen a lot of success is endometriosis. Endometriosis is sort of the opposite of an amputation. It's like mm. it's not like there's not enough stuff or there's stuff that's been removed. It's mm. that there's too much stuff. Mm-hmm. There's... there's um, endometrial tissue, the the Mm. lining of the uterine wall, um, is growing, those cells are growing in a place that is not the uterus, or maybe 
is the uterus, but it's on the outside of the uterus instead of the inside. Yeah. But it could be anywhere. It can be on, on your pelvis or on the bottom of your lung or lots of different places. And those cells are trying to menstruate, um, and they're just in the wrong place trying to do that. So it's a very painful sort of inflamed, cysty kind of experience. And, um, and ghost pipe can be really, really helpful with that. I also love ghost pipe for... Just to be clear, it's not acting, as far as we understand, uh, as any particular you know, massive anti-inflammatory or whatever. Its effect is more about changing your perception and your mm, psycho-emotional reaction to the pain mm-hmm. you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the way people describe this as the pain is still there, but it's not the only thing I can see or feel or experience. Like, it's not so overwhelming that it floods all of my input channels. You know what I mean? Like, you're able to see your way around the pain or to um, not push through so much, but but function in spite of the fact that you, you still feel that the pain is there but it doesn't overwhelm your perceptions in the way that it, that it easily can when it's kind of uncontrolled. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so the other thing that I really love um, Ghost Pipe with is um, those situations where anxiety is coming from overstimulation. Um, and I kind of think about the Ghost Pipe as growing on the internet of the earth. Um, because that's what's happening with all those root systems. Um, they're not just like inert water straws that suck, yeah. up, <laughs> that suck water out of the soil. That's yeah. not what roots are. Roots are a complex communication structure that plants can communicate with each other um, where their roots cross over. And because of the mycelial network, they're also receiving information from plants who don't cross over their roots that way. And it's really pretty amazing. Um, Also, Roots and... uh, What is the name of that book? Um, The Hidden Life of the Forest? Yes. Thank you for knowing exactly what I was thinking just then. Yeah, yeah. Peter Wohlleben, he wrote this amazing book, The Hidden Life of the Forest, and... In it, he describes how trees can actually feed um, another tree and keep it alive. Uh, even if it's just a stump, they can keep it alive by reversing the direction of their roots. Instead of taking stuff up the roots, they can actually um, send sugars through the roots to other trees through their roots. It's really amazing. Just just the amazing amount of sentience and community that plants have that we've never um, accepted in the past, just, it's amazing to me. And now that we're starting to have not just the scientific equipment to study it in a way that people will accept, but also the people who want to study it and present it in a way that people will accept as science Mm. and not as fairy tale or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. is um, just thoroughly exciting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so so we live in such a high-stimulation environment right now, and here's this plant that, that not only knows how to handle a lot of input, but actually, like, that's where it lives. That's its home, is with all this input. Um, 
And I find Ghost Pipe is tremendously effective at helping people to manage a lot of stimulation coming at them that they might not be able to control. Maybe they can't just take a vacation right now or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this is also helpful for people who are on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, where often the experience of the world is very intense and unfiltered. Um, this helps to add a, a layer of, of filtration or a layer of, uh, I don't know if protection is the right word. Maybe, maybe like um, insulation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, if you feel like all of your nerve endings are exposed and silk feels like sandpaper and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, um, we found Ghost Pipe to relieve that kind of experience. Yeah. And it's also a thing where with Ghost Pipe, you know, like you said, you work with small doses. This is also one of those herbs that you can often uh, work with it for a while and it teaches you how to move into a particular mode of perception and experience of the world. And after it's taught that to you, at a certain point, you don't necessarily need the herb to get there anymore. Mm-hmm. You've, it's introduced you to what that experience feels like and um, given you a hand, <coughs> a hand in getting there for a while. And after some time, you learn how to, how to access that on your own. Yeah, it's really, it's really an amazing, amazing plant. Hmm. Um, how about for your personal uses or personal needs what is it that makes you turn to ghost pipe uh you know i don't do it very often anymore yeah um it's it's got to be pretty bad these days uh it used to be a plant that i turned to a lot and i can look back at my life and see that that there was a time in my life that was that was really really grim and um and that was a time that i really leaned heavily on ghost pipe and now, um, now it's more, um, I, I, like you said, I really am able to get there by myself and having this plant as a plant that I just have a relationship with is very sustaining for me, but I do still take ghost pipe. Um, I particularly love a student made a blend once that was Solomon seal, ghost pipe and sage, and they, <laughs> she called it coping mechanism. And that's really true. And I can remember one day when Amber and I were... Um, Disagreeing? Yeah. Having a debate. No, no parent ever wants to admit to just gracelessly shouting at their kid. But that's totally what's happening <laughs> on that day. So if you've ever gracelessly shouted at your kid, like, you're not alone. And all of a sudden, in one moment, I just sort of saw that little bottle on the shelf... And I don't even know why, but I took it and I, and then I handed it to Amber and she took it and I looked at her, I was like, what were we saying? And it was amazing. It like literally just stopped everything in its tracks. Um, and then I promptly apologized and said, I'm pretty sure we could have this discussion in a better way. And we did. And it was great. And, um, and so that is really the type of situation when I still turn to ghost pipe physically and not just like in my um, sort of internal relationship connection place, but like actually physically I will take this plant um, is when I am 
gracelessly shouting at or not even but like having that feeling of just just falling completely apart and that's uh, that's a thing that happens sometimes yeah yeah so yeah ghost pipe is pretty amazing since i gave up twitter <laughs> um things got a little better <laughs> I really liked to watch, to read politics on Twitter and I used to justify it by saying but it's all these law professors and really intelligent people who are giving me good in- educational information so that I can understand the complexities of the what yeah it was really amping me up and that was not good um, and I think maybe that's where we shift over into Tulsi too yeah uh, not just Ghost, Ghost Pipe but Tulsi Tulsi is a plant that I do love as tea, absolutely. Um, But sometimes you need something super fast acting. And sometimes also everything is just too grim for you to have enough energy to make yourself tea. Um, So Tulsi tincture is totally the solution to that that time. And I really like um, Tulsi elixir even more. But um, but tincture will completely do the job. And, uh, you know, yesterday I was with a client who said, sometimes I feel so heavy and so disconnected and so stuck in a fog of gray that I can feel thirsty and want a drink of water. And the water is just right on the table, but I can't quite reach it from the couch without moving a little. And I just shake my head and say, no, nah, it's not worth it. And um, for this reason, I said, I think you should keep Tulsi tincture in your pocket <laughs> all of the time. Because <laughs> at least then it's very close. Um, but that is such a great explanation of why I like to tincture Tulsi. Because sometimes... Things are just too much enshrouded in a fog of gray to to go and make yourself a pot of tea. Eat, and I mean, obviously, I, I mean that metaphorically. And then the funny thing is that sometimes when you take the Tulsi, then you realize like the the cloud of gray was not actually as opaque as you thought it was, but it seemed that way for real in that moment. Um, And I think that's how a lot of emotional things are. Once you have something that helps you shift out of whatever's got you down, in retrospect, it's so much easier to look back and say, hold on, that wasn't actually such a big thing. But it's it can be tremendously difficult to do that when you're in that place of gray. Mm. So Tulsi Tincture, absolutely. Um, Calamus, I have here... I I do like calamus in my not coffee blend, but I don't really like calamus tea all by itself. Um, and you like to chew on calamus roots, just how they are. Yeah, definitely. But I don't love that either. Calamus, really, my favorite way to work with it is just straight in a tincture, not in a formula, all by itself, um, because it is it is an amazing and potent plant. Um, I am really convinced. I have not seen science on this, but I am, I am thoroughly grounded in my hypothesis that a big part of calamus's function is on the vagus nerve. 
I really, really believe that. Um, and I have a lot of uh, reasons for my hypothesis, and someday I will be able to design a laboratory test, and that will be great. But until then, I persist in my hypothesis. Um, because what's going on with calamus? Traditionally, you'll hear two things about it. Well, you may hear many things, but two of the things that you commonly hear. One is that it... Um, is excellent for gut complaints and stomach complaints and helping you to improve digestion. And of course, one aspect of that is simply the bitter flavor. Anything that's bitter will, will stimulate improved dig digestion. Um, but uh, you also will hear lots and lots of people when they talk about calamus, talking about improved perception and a feeling of calm and like working with calamus when you're going to meditate because it helps you get into that space. And um, it, it's really all about that rest and digest function or that parasympathetic function. And um, I really think that, that that is where that vagus nerve in, involvement is coming in. So, so calamus sort of... Um, is, is on that line in the, phys the physical, emotional, and the calm you down, and also the gut place. Well, and frankly, and put your head in the right place. This is one of those plants that, and it's a high power herb, actually just calamus can hit all of those points all by itself. <laughs> um, but uh, another reason that I really love calamus is that it is one of our one of our few warming bitters. Most of the bitters are cooling. But my digestion already runs a little on the cool side, actually a little on the cold side. And so I don't really want to take a bitter that is cooling because that's going to slow me down even more. And when I say that my digest digestion runs a little on the cold side, um, I could also say slow or sluggish. And, um, you know, I'm much more prone to, uh, to constipation than diarrhea. And I'm much more prone to just feeling that slowness of a meal moving through my digestive system. And so for me, I really want something that's going to warm up my guts while it is also stimulating the digestive process. And calamus does that wonderfully. Um, plus, since I've only got five things, calamus also doubles as a sore throat remedy, um, especially for people who use their vocal cords a lot. It's really lovely for um, like that strain on vocal cords from a lot of talking or a lot of singing. Um, so that's excellent. It's just an all-around fantastic plant. And it's so delicious. It actually it is, is delicious. It, is. it really is, yeah. It did take me a while, but I actually really do like the flavor of it now. Mm -hmm. Oh, ginger chamomile. I love ginger chamomile. I love ginger chamomile any way I can possibly get they've, it in. They've become a single word yes, for you. Yes, it really has. You, I'm trying to think of any time that I've seen you work with chamomile without adding ginger to it, aside from the ones where we just ran out. And, yeah, it's uh, pretty rare. You don't really do it. No, I put them together every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I have on the blog, uh, there's a recipe for ginger chamomile cookies. And Rin will put that in the show notes, but you also can just check it out. Um, 
can just do like search ginger chamomile cookies right there on the website. Um, so, oh my goodness, ginger chamomile. And, but this is another one that I love ginger chamomile as tea. I love it as cookies, but I do really love it as tincture. And the time that I really need it is when I have eaten something that does not agree with me. My guts are really upset and I invariably have a headache at that point too. And really a very obnoxious kind of headache that happens when this, when this all goes on. And I usually, when this pattern is happening, I already have a fairly high level of stress and anxiousness going on. Um, and I get into cycles of this where, um, it just happens like multiple nights in a row. And I really, it it really does correspond with like a big period of stress. Um, but when that's happening, especially, uh, if I've eaten too much, um, then I don't want to drink a pot of ginger chamomile tea. That's just too much to like, I don't want to put anything more in my stomach and the tincture of ginger and chamomile together is tremendously soothing. It is the best thing for me for a headache. It's the best thing to help me sleep. And it's the best thing when my guts are upset. And, uh, I really, I would be hard pressed to get through life without ginger and chamomile together. (laughs) I really love them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then my last one here is Lobelia and Lobelia is a lifesaver literally because I am anaphylactically allergic to marijuana, which yes, is the most inconvenient allergy on the planet. Um, especially now that marijuana is legalized for recreational purposes in Massachusetts. Uh, it is literally everywhere. And I've done a lot of work on this allergy over the over the years. Um, I I found out about it when I was oh probably twenty or twenty one. I had my very first apartment out of college, and um, my landlord lived upstairs, and uh, and he grew marijuana, and I had never really come in contact with it before, partially because I was kind of a goody goody. And partially because for most of high school and most of university, I lived in Germany and Russia, and it just wasn't very common in those countries at that time. And um, so I really had never, ever come in contact with it until until this apartment. And uh, I had no idea what happened, but I ended up in the hospital. And... Um, and initially, this was a very serious anaphylactic. Like, I would be hospitalized every time and put on a lot of prednisone, and that was not fun at all. But over the last uh, 20-some-odd years, and especially over the last 10 years, I've done a lot of work on this um, allergy in terms of just working on my overall immune system and, and uh, getting myself out of an autoimmune state. And, um, and also just working in general, a lot on making my body healthier overall. And now my reactions to marijuana are obnoxious, but, um, not life-threatening. And, um, but when I was younger, I did have an EpiPen and I did have occasion to use it. And that is not a fun experience. And then I had Amber and I, sometimes when you have a baby, you panic about things that are unreasonable. And one of those things for me was, 
oh no, what if my baby gets my EpiPen? And I want to be clear, they're designed that babies can't accidentally jab themselves with them, but I just had a big panic about it. And then I was like, wait, I'm an herbalist. There must be another way. And it turns out there is, and that other way is lobelia. Now, if you're a person with an anaphylactic allergy and you carry an EpiPen, I am not in any way saying that you should just throw away your EpiPen and just carry lobelia and life will be fine for you. Um, It might be fine for you or it might not. And a life or death situation is not necessarily something that you want to just experiment with. But if you have anaphylaxis to a somewhat milder degree and it is not life and death for you, then... Um, it's nice to know that there is an herb out there that can do this job. And in a first aid situation, uh, you can't just walk up to somebody else and administer epinephrine to them. So it is nice to know that if you're in a first aid situation and somebody just got stung by a bee and they didn't even know that they were allergic to it, um, and there's nothing else around and you've called 911, you could, you could, that would be a great time to say, well, let's go with the lobelia and let's just, just see. I mean, you help is on the way. Let's, let's go with it. You've done everything else that you can do. Um, it's really effective. And, and, uh, we have a friend who, uh, Sean Donahue, he's an herbalist on the West coast now, but a long time ago he lived in Boston and we would hang out together and it was, you know, as I was very excited about Lobelia and, and he has very severe allergies and very severe asthma and also a huge love of cats. And so he would have these just huge asthma attacks, you know, at least once a month because he just couldn't not hug a cat. And, um, and he worked with Lobelia for those purposes as well. And again, I'm not saying that if you have asthma, you should throw away your rescue inhaler, but it's nice to know that there is a plant that can help with this. Hmm. Also, oh, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just almost left out that Lobelia is a phenomenal muscle relaxant anywhere in the body, not just a bronchodilator, but like really anywhere in the body, and you can do it topically. So that's really excellent. If you have a spasming muscle, um, you can take a couple drops internally and then just you know, rub it into wherever the spasming muscle is. It's wonderfully relaxing. The only trick about Lobelia is that it is emetic, which means it can cause vomiting. Now, sometimes that's a benefit. Sometimes that's what you want. But if you don't want to vomit today and you do want to take some Lobelia, the way that you manage that is just take a very small dose. For some people, that might be three drops or it might be five drops. For me, that's a couple of droppers full, but I have been taking Lobelia for 20 some odd years now and... um, and I have a slow constitution anyway, so I typically do take higher doses. If you were to take two droppers full right off the bat, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you would vomit and you might not be thrilled about that. But, uh, but definitely do a little experimentation to see what the right dose is for you. And, and then you know what your dose is and you can take that when you really need some strong relaxation, especially that physical relaxation, like some strong muscle relaxation. Yeah. Uh, there are some books and things where if you look up uh, Lobelia, particularly foraging books and plant ID books and things like that, um, that have extremely overblown cautions about the supposed toxicity and deadliness of Lobelia. And believe it or not, a lot of that actually goes back to like the early 1800s. And there were some 
court cases around an herbalist who worked with Lobelia a bunch, and people tried to claim that it was a deadly herb, and he he killed people and this and that, and those cases got thrown out, but the sort of slander against this poor little plant has persisted ever since. <laughs> um, so rumors of its poisonousness have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it can make you vomit. So, yeah. you know, still treat treat Lobelia with respect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my list begins with Solomon's Seal. And this is actually one that you wanted to include in I your did. list at first. <laughs> um, for good reason. This is a really fantastic plant. It's one that, you know, we've spoken about a few different times on the podcast so far. But if you're a new listener, um, then let's just say that my major reason for wanting Solomon's Seal uh, with me in tincture form is that it's a really effective remedy for a sprain or a strain uh, joint pain, joint dryness, cracky joints that pop uh, and snap and crackle at you. <laughs> um, it's just very wonderful and targeted and effective for a lot of different connective tissue problems. And not even problems, but also just, yeah, I uh, started a new workout routine and one of those joints isn't quite used to moving in that way with that load and it's trying to sing to me a little about it. Um <laughs> Uh, some Solomon seal rubbed directly into the joint along with a little bit taken by mouth is just the single best remedy that I know of for that kind of thing. So I turn to it a lot for those kind of issues. But I also work with Solomon seal as an herb to help me get my head in the right place. Um, a lot of times if uh, I'm getting stressed out, then my natural tendency towards tension uh, will become even more pronounced, and I can get very tense indeed, both physically and also um, mentally, emotionally, uh, cognitively, where I'm feeling like the range of options or the range of things that I can see as uh, a solution or as a potential or as an idea starts to get limited, and I start to become kind of stubborn, and um, you know, I, I really like dig myself into where I am and get get bogged down in that. Uh, so Solomon Seal is an herb that I've found to help me out a lot when I'm uh, in that state. Um, it loosens up the body. It also loosens up the mind and allows one to be a little more emotionally flexible and mentally flexible in addition to helping you to get physically fle flexible as well. Um, so for that purpose, uh, tincture is a really great way to work with the herb. Um, also small doses are quite effective. You know, if people are looking for that specific activity from the plant, I'll usually advise them to start with somewhere around three or nine drops of tincture taken a few times a day. Um, you don't usually need a lot more than that for this kind of work. Yeah, Solomon Seal is just so amazing. Yeah. So many different, like, ranges of use there, but it's just a really excellent friend. Um, okay, so next on my list I had catnip, and uh, as a cat person, um, I have a lot of resonance with this particular herb. Uh, you sort of taste it and hear some purring off in the distance somewhere. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, so catnip in humans it works as a as a relaxant herb, as a gentle sedative. So it it calms down agitation. It doesn't like induce sleepiness or anything, but it. It does um, relieve barriers to rest and to relaxation and to calm. So again, you know, when I'm getting tense or when I'm getting 
hot and agitated, then this can help to release that, that constriction and allow the, the heat to move and for me to let it go. It has a, what we call a relaxing diaphoretic effect, which is just a fancy way of saying it allows you to release heat. And that's physical heat, like a fever, but it's also emotional heat, like anger and frustration in particular. Mm -hmm. So um, catnip is really excellent for that. It tastes good, it has nice aromatics, it starts to work very rapidly. Um, like other herbs that have an aromatic nature to them, the moment you taste it, the moment you smell it, it's starting to affect your system. Mm -hmm. um, so that's all to the good. Plus, uh, I like to share it with my cats. Tincture's not really the best for that, but I mean, I've squirted catnip tincture into their dinner sometimes, and <laughs> they're definitely a little excited about that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a, a really soothing, calming, relaxing herb. It helps a lot with indigestion, um, particularly if your indigestion tends to have an upward motion to it, like it's manifesting as heartburn, um, reflux, or whatever else you want to call it, that kind of upward moving thing. Or if you're getting some you know, burping going on, gas moving upward, uh, again, catnip is really helpful for those kind of problems. Uh, my next one, I either couldn't decide or ultimately wanted to have a combo here. So this is yarrow <laughs> and sage together. Um, these are two herbs that I have tattooed on me because I just want to have them with me all the time. Um, yar yarrow and sage are really useful, I find, when um, I need some help getting motivated and staying present with, um, with the work that I have to do. And I sort of divide these a little bit, like if things are more about physicality, I might take myself a, a squirt of yarrow tincture to stimulate some blood movement and get this kind of outward, upward energy, um, get things moving in that direction. Yarrow is a, a circulatory stimulant. Um, it's mostly a dispersive, so it, if you take it by mouth, it's going to find all the places in your body where the blood's been kind of stagnant and get it moving again, get that get that circulating um, out to the to the periphery, out to the surface, to those tiny little blood vessels, get things moving along in a really good way. So I find that helpful. Um, if I'm feeling kind of like stuck or sluggish or I just can't get rolling, you know, a little yarrow is, is nice to get moving again. Um, sage is good for that same kind of thing, but more when that's happening in your head. Like if I can't really get my thoughts moving, I'm like, ugh, I've been staring at this document for 20 minutes and I have typed two words and then deleted them again, <laughs> um, then some sage is really handy here. And, um, you know, sage, it's getting some modern study for things like Alzheimer's and dementia. Historically, people understood that this was an herb that was important for mental acuity, um, for things that today we would classify as depressed states of the mind. Um, and there was a period sort of in between, you know, the olden days and the modern days, uh, probably within that same period between 1930 and 1960, when a lot of things in Western herbalism were forgotten in the U.S. in particular, where people didn't really consider sage as a, as a neurological or a mental uh, active plant. But honestly, that's the way that uh, we tend to turn to it yeah. most frequently. Um, I mean, yeah, and it helps with digestion and a bunch of other things, but really... It's that, it's like when you feel, and this is something I'm super prone to, when you feel overwhelmed and on top of it, you feel like no one can help you. And if they tried, they'd just screw it up anyway, and you'd have to do it again. 
when you get in that place, and it's not necessarily true when you're in that place, but you're so convinced of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is, for me, sage the, time. like, giant sage flashing light, yeah. you know? Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, sage is a good friend. Um, all right. And then my next tincture here selection was kava. Uh, oh, kava. So this is not a local plant to where I live. If you are out there in Hawaii or Polynesia, then hi. And um, <laughs> I hope you have some kava in your life because um, that would be appropriate and wonderful. But it's it's such a fantastic herb, and there's really nothing else that's quite like kava. Um, it's a, I think in one of our previous podcasts, we were talking about how you can take an herb and try to recreate it through the actions of several other herbs. Mm. You could try to do that with kava, but it, it would be, it'd be a lot of work. It'd take a bunch of herbs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to get together all of its particular qualities. So kava is peppery, it's spicy, but it also numbs your tongue. So it has this hot fiery flavor, but then it has this numbing effect as well. Um, kava is a stimulating plant but it's also relaxing. So it increases blood movement and um, digestive activity, uh, but it also soothes and calms and relieves physical tension, mostly in the skeletal muscles, the ones that you have direct control over. So like your neck and your back and uh, places where you carry tension when you get stressed out and anxious and all bound up. Kava releases those, and and there's this kind of settling and loosening effect that you get from it. Um, it's quite effective for that purpose in tincture. Uh, you can take, you know, for most people, between one and eight droppers full of kava is going to be enough to feel that. That's a pretty big range. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to go between sort of my response range and yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as markers, but... I would say start with the one. Yeah. And then... Work your way up. Yeah, work your way up. Yeah. But yeah, kava, um, it's nice because while it relaxes your body, it doesn't dull your mind. You can stay thoughtful, you can stay present, you can stay, you know, thinking about some complex problem or a theory that you're trying to take shape, um, even while the kava is in there in your body releasing that neck tension that's been bugging you and distracting your mind or release that lower back pain that's been making it hard for you to settle in and do what you need to do. Um, so I find that effect to be very, very handy. And, you know, when, when we release the physical tension, we also start to release some mental, mental tension as well. Um, and so you can settle in, you can relax, you can calm down. Uh, so yeah, so kava is just fantastic in those ways. There's some other things it can do. Um, I mean, kava can fight off a UTI, Mm-hmm. And that aspect of it is one that's not as appreciated in modern herbalism, but was um, considered to be its primary application a couple hundred years ago. Um, kava, at least, at least by white people, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, kava is a pain relieving herb as well, um, so you can rub it into places where you have pain, or um, you can take it for digestive pain or urinary system pain as well. And it will deliver activity to those parts of the body. Um, so there's a lot of other things that we could accomplish with that plant, but for me, it's mainly, you know, I'm getting all tense, I'm getting agitated. It's manifesting as this like constrictive effect in my in my physical body. I need to release that, um, let things loosen up again, and kava really really helps with that. 
My last herb, I chose cayenne this time, um, in part for symmetry with your lobelia. (laughs) Um, The two of these actually go together in a lot of formulas we work with, but um, cayenne on its own is a... It is an archetype of fire. Cayenne is going to light things up for you. Um, you know, I was talking about sage earlier as one for when my, my brain is a little fogged in and sluggish. If it's really bad, I'll take some cayenne tincture. If I'm just like, man, I can't move, I can't think, I'm, I'm stuck in the mud. Um, and, and cayenne tincture tastes exactly white, like what you think it would taste like. Oh yeah, it's so it's, it's so intense. It's yeah, yeah, one drop. It's totally yeah. That's usually what I'm taking when it's cayenne tincture. It's a single drop or maybe three drops or something like that. Um, but it's very strong and it's a it's a fantastic vital force stimulant and a circulatory stimulant. Um, it specifically improves the, the circulation of blood back to the heart muscle itself. Um, for this reason, it does have some first aid uses that it, that can go all the way up to, uh, in, intervening in a heart attack that's in progress. Um, there are a number of cases of, do- of herbalists, uh, doing that for themselves yeah. and others. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously still call 911. Yes, of course. But while you're waiting... Try some cayenne. A lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. More than a drop in that case, but you probably figured that out. I also, in a first aid situation, love cayenne for the first responders Mm -hmm. because it doesn't give you that jitteriness of caffeine and caffeine can mess up my judgment sometimes and cayenne doesn't do that. It doesn't give you the jitters. It doesn't do any of that stuff. It just, it just sort of, yes, I am here. I'm yeah, it can be a it can be a, a persistence remedy in that case. Like yeah. I've just got to keep going. I would love to stop and rest and whatever, but I can't right now because it's an emergency or because the whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, cayenne is going to keep you going as long as you need to. So um, yeah, for those reasons, and then also for uh, topical application, um, I've been working out a lot more lately and. Uh, getting little irritations or places where I know that, yeah, I got to take care of that joint because if I be good to it for the next couple days, it'll be fine by the time my next workout rolls around. But if not, then it's probably still going to hurt by then. So some cayenne rubbed directly into aching joints, into bruises and contusions, into um, all kinds of soft tissue and closed skin injuries is really fantastic because it does increase blood flow to those areas. And the movement of blood is what allows the healing to take place. So it's extremely fantastic for that. And it it can also relieve pain, you know, especially after the third or fourth application in the same place. Um, You know, if you're applying it three times a day or every few hours, by the third or fourth application, you're getting a really substantial pain relieving effect um, that can last for quite a while um, after working with cayenne. And that has to do with some of the ways it interfaces with your herbs and some of your neurotransmitters that are local there. But the short version is... With your nerves. Yeah. Oh, it sounded like you said it interfaces with your herbs. No, your nerves. (laughs) Your nerves, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah, so it's it's a, a nice pain reliever in that regard as well. But the thing is that it's not like just killing the pain signal and not doing anything to heal the injury. It's healing the injury, reducing the feeling of pain, um, and that's that's ideal. We want yeah. to, we want to do both of those things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I feel like we could pick another five herbs each 
and do a whole rundown again and convince ourselves that these are the best five herbs yeah, ever. Yeah, we totally could. It's, it's so hard once you start to make these friends to choose among them. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, you don't have to. Um, yeah. But sometimes it's useful exercise to consider, do I really need every herb in the world? Yeah. Uh, we can kind of get in the idea that uh, this herb is good for this one thing, and that herb is good for that one thing. And so if I want to solve all the things, I've got to have all the herbs in the world. I think yeah. you've, been, you've yeah. been talking about this lately. And this was my asterisk up at the top when I was talking about 13. That um, I, I have, I've been thinking about so much lately, because we have in this culture been conditioned to want so many things and to believe that everything we have is very specialized. And I'm thinking about like, the drawer in the kitchen that has all those specialized tools that you use like once a month or once a year or whatever. And like, we don't like just have one good knife, you know, you don't need all those tools. And yet we all have that drawer full of those weird specialized tools because even if you don't buy them, they like show up from your mom or from your whatever. (laughs) And so I've been thinking about how that relates to herbs and how our culture Um, does that same thing like our herbal culture in this country does that same thing with with the plants Um, I was looking at the landscape on our land in Royalston and there's there's a ton of plants there and in the greater area surrounding our land there's even more but it's not as many plants as we have in our school apothecary part of that may be that there's plants there that we don't we're not familiar with their medicinal uses or yeah they, they're not as uh in, prioritized now as they used to be yeah that's that true that's true um but if i had to subsist on only the herbs that i could get in royalston i absolutely could but it would be many fewer than than i work with on a regular basis right now and you know, when we were writing our book, we were really thinking a lot about that. We were trying to get it down to 35 herbs that would be all you needed for a whole year to support your family or a small community. And I mean, we could have made it a million herbs. We could have made it however many herbs. But we were really trying to get at that idea that you don't have to know 200 plants. It's okay if you know 35. You can get through a year that way. But lately I'm thinking, you know, can it be less than that? Could it, could it be 13? Could I actually, could I go through an entire year, do everything I need to do with 13 plants? You know, I've claimed that you can get rid of all those specialized tools in your kitchen and only have one good knife. So, um, you know, could I, could I get by with only 10 or could I do a year with only five? And so then I started thinking, well, what would it be if it was five? And, um, this isn't tinctures, this isn't any form, and my thinking was maybe chamomile, goldenrod, calamus, gold thread, and then maybe yarrow or self-heal, and I know ginger's not on that list, and I, you know, that's hard, but I was thinking about plants that grow on our land, um, and I don't know, I, it's a really interesting thing. Um, when I was farming in Vermont, uh, when I was younger, We did do a year um, where we produced all of our own food except the Marco Polo things, you know, like obviously um, salt and pepper and and a few few luxury items um, for holidays. Uh, But I I know that I can do it, but uh, 
but could I do it elegantly? You know, could I really get through every different need and can I know the plants deeply enough that that I know how to work with them in situations that are not trendy right now, but are absolutely effective. Um, so that's that's something I'm thinking a lot about. And stay tuned for a project, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I hope that was interesting to you guys. If you have any questions about these herbs we discussed, then please get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, as always, it does help us out a lot if you rate our podcast, if you subscribe. Uh, if you write us a nice review. Yes, yes. Or we, just tell your friends. Yeah, we really appreciate that. It does help us reach other people. Um, Host a party, listen to the podcast, and at the end, <laughs> everybody rates and reviews. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be so sweet. Drink yes. lots of tea while you do it. Yeah, you got it. Um, cool. Well, anyway, we'll be back next week, and we hope in the meantime you have some herby adventures. Thanks for the question, Eileen, and uh, you guys, we're going on a date night now. Yeah. Let's go. Ooh.